We're going to do something unprecedented. We don't normally do this at Second Chance, but um, we're going to do it just because I want to see what, where your heart is, really. We're going to take a church vote, and it's going to be official. It's going to go down in the minutes. And if you're from a church background, you understand that. And if you're not from a church background, you don't understand that, and you're better for it. Um, let's, let's hypothetically say, this is a hypothetical situation, let's hypothetically say I'm taking you to lunch tomorrow. I'm taking everybody to lunch. I'm... I'm I'm paying for everybody because we got, we got some $2 bills left over from a few weeks ago, so I'm just going to make it rain somewhere. So we're taking everybody to lunch, and, um, but you got two options. Now, listen to both options before you vote because there's always somebody that'll go, option number one, ah! Okay, you, but you don't know what option number two is. So don't just, just wait. Option one is Chick-fil-A. Option two is Jack in the Box. Okay, so... We're about to vote. Everybody's got to play. You don't even have to be a Christian to play this game, all right? So how many people, if I'm taking you lunch, you're going to vote for Chick-fil-A? How many vote for Chick-fil-A? Okay, yeah, yeah, it's always a majority. How many are Jack in the Box? Jack in the Box. There's, there's always... There's all, you used to work there. That's, a, that's probably a reason not to go there even more. He worked at Chick-fil-A. He worked at Chick-fil-A. Oh, okay. But you, so you'd rather go to Jack in the Box. You can't eat Chick-fil-A anymore. You know, after, at the end of the service, we'll, we, we pray for people. And um, I, I can't stop eating Chick-fil-A. I, why is it? Is anybody like this? Like you go into a party and if they got a nugget tray. Like if, it, like if I got a box of nuggets, I'll eat the nuggets. But if you got a nugget tray, I'll eat 476 nuggets before I even know. what I'm like, I turn into a nugget by the time I leave. Now, here, here's, it, most of the people uh, said Chick-fil-A, except for the, Jack, I had a friend call me recently, and he, he was like, man, I'm, I'm so sick, I'm so sick. I was like, man, I'll pray for you, what, you got like a stomach bug? He's like, nah, man, I ate some tacos from Jack in the Box. I'm like, well, idiot, I'm not, he's like, you gonna pray for me? I was like, nah, I ain't praying for you, Jesus couldn't even get that demon out of you, man, you just gonna have to let that flow. Anyway, different, different message, different time. Um, that the reason I think, this is, and this is just hypothetical, um, there's a reason that most people choose Chick-fil-A. Most people, most people, not all people, I ain't judging, but most people choose Chick-fil-A. And the reason is this, Chick-fil-A does one thing really well. They do one thing really well. Now, I'm going to ask what it is, and don't overcomplicate this. Don't overthink this. It's, the answer is obvious. Chick-fil-A, the one thing they do well is chicken. chicken. Yes, it's easy. Chicken. They do chicken. They do chicken well. Now, they have some things that they, other things that they do well, like the mac and cheese is legit, the waffle fries are legit, but they do chicken well. Jack in the Box, what do they do well? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, not tacos, exactly. They, 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 don't, they don't do anything well. They, 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 I mean, you, you can get a taco, you can get a taquito, you can get an egg roll, you can get, like, they, do, they don't even do marketing well. Oh, my gosh. If that guy, Jack, showed up at my house with that big head, I'd punch him in his throat. I would. <laughs> now, I know what some of you are thinking, because there's always the sensitive person. What if somebody from Jack in the Box is watching? Fix your freaking commercials. They're awful. Okay, so, so. They, they don't do, they don't do any, they do a bunch of stuff. We could all agree they do a bunch of stuff, but they're not really known for doing something well. At the end of the day, I think there are two types of churches in the world. You got jack-in-the-box churches, 
and Chick-fil-A churches. Jack-in-the-box churches are churches that do a lot of things. They, they have a lot of things going on. There's a lot of activity, but they're not really like known for one thing. And so while there's a lot of activity, there's not a lot of excitement because nobody can really rally around a common idea. And then there's Chick-fil-A churches, which um, they, they say they're going to do one thing, and they do that one thing really well. Now, there's some other things that go on that are kind of an outgrowth of that one thing, but they're going to do one thing, and they're, they're going to do one thing and do it well. At the end of the day, we here at Second Chance, we're going to be a Chick-fil-A church. Like, I want us to do one thing, one thing really well. And so today, I'm going to be sharing with you the vision of Second Chance. Now, when I say I'm sharing with you the vision, this is not up for a church vote. This is who we are, and this is what we're going to do. This is, this is the focus of our church. And, and the reason it's so important is because the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 29, verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, there are dying churches all over the world today. And I don't think the church is dying because of lack of resources, because churches have resources I don't think we're dying because of lack of information, because we've got more information than we've ever had. I don't think we're dying for lack of opportunity because the planet is more populated than it's ever been. I believe at the end of the day that God honors a church that has a God-honoring vision. Now, one of the things I've done for years is I've talked about vision, and, and I've, I've done a decent job of casting vision, but one of the things I've done poorly is explaining to people why this vision matters to you. So, so instead of me just preaching a church vision message, I want to explain to you why it matters to you and why it matters to me by asking you a couple of simple questions. Number one, do I want to become a better person? Okay, well, like two people. Yes, I mean, yeah, yeah, we all, obviously, though, we all do. I mean, there never might be one or two like, I think I'm perfect, and wow. It's another message, another time. That's called pride. It got Satan kicked out of heaven. Might want to get that checked. Anyway, I, the answer is yes. We all, I, I want to become a better person. Like, for me personally, I'm doing better right now in life than I've ever done emotionally, uh, spiritually, and physically, but... If I was standing next to Jesus, nobody would think we're twins because I've got a long way to go in my walk with Christ. If you don't believe me, get stuck with me in traffic and watch what happens, okay? I mean, there, there is lots and lots of room for improvement. So I think at the end of the day that if you're here, and you're not even a Christian, you would at least say, I would love to be a better person overall. I think we all could agree on that. The second question is, do I want Anderson to be a better community? Now, I want to pause real quick and address a question that's been asked um, uh, many times on our online audience and even here in the room um, about starting other campuses. There are no plans currently to launch other campuses. Um, it's not something I'm saying no to, but if we do start other campuses... We're talking maybe five years down the road. And the reason why is we've got to focus on building a campus in Anderson first. We are a church plant, not a campus launch. We started with nothing. It takes time to build a culture 
and values. And so while I do want to reach the world, I want to do everything we can to reach as many people as possible. We've got to bloom where we're planted before we can go other places. And so I'm not saying no. I'm just saying it'll be years down the road. So back to this question, yeah, I want Anderson to be a better community. I love Anderson. I do. I hear people complain about Anderson, and it makes me mad because I moved here in 1990 to go to college, and I never left. I love Anderson, South Carolina. We've got like the small town feel. If you want Atlanta, it's two hours to the south. Charlotte's two hours to the north. Greenville's, I mean, I, I, but I, I love Anderson, and I want our community to be better. So, so with all that in mind, with, with us wanting to be better people, with us wanting to live in a better community, I want to share with you the vision of Second Chance and then why it's going to matter, and I'm going to show you how practically. I'm a visual learner. We're going to do charts and graphs today. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to love it. And some of you are like, aren't charts and graphs people? You're like, I just like when you preach the Bible word for word. Come back next week. I got something for you. All right, but here we go. This is the vision of Second Chance. The vision of Second Chance Church is to create an environment where people, all people, experience the presence of Jesus every single week. That's it. Now, some of you are looking and going, that's not, that's not real deep. Well, I have never been accused of being deep. Never. You, by the way, you know what deep means? You just confused the heck out of me. I have no idea, so I'm just going to call it deep because I don't know what it means, all right? Now, that... Listen, it's kind of like Chick-fil-A. What they do is simple, but it's not easy. This is simple, but it's not easy. The, the, the thing that we, our chicken, if you will, is we are going to focus on creating an environment where people, all people, can experience the presence of Jesus every single week. And here is why. I think it's important possible to experience the presence of Jesus and stay the same. I think if we are consistently experiencing the presence of Jesus, now, some people bring their umbrella, like we talked about last week, but I think if we're continually experiencing the presence of Jesus, that he, over time, changes us from who we are to who we need to be. And I want to show you this on several practical levels, and then I'm going to show you how everything practically that I'm going to talk about works out in the scriptures. Let's say we got a couple people. Now, if your name happens to be Bob or Linda, I apologize. God, these are just two names I came up with. I didn't say, Holy Spirit, give me the names of people that I need to just call out in the service, all right? It's just, if your name is Bob and Linda, welcome. All right. So this is a chart, and, and this is a chart uh, um, about our walk with Jesus. And a negative 10 would be like, um, and by the way, this isn't the value on a person. It just measures where they are spiritually. So please don't think I'm a sign because we live in a culture where everybody's so sensitive about everything, okay? But the negative 10 is like the angry atheist, okay? And, and the angry atheist believes two things. Number one, there's not a God. Number two, I hate him. And which always is confusing because if there's not a God, why do you hate him? Like, I don't sit around my house going, ah, unicorns, ah, like I'm, they're just not real. All right. All right. So, so negative 10 is the angry atheist. Um, positive 10 is like the person, like you, you're just so close to Jesus. 
You're as close to Jesus as you can get on this side of heaven, okay? That's what the positive 10 is. Now, people start going, people actually start attending a church service um, around a negative five, negative four in their spiritual journey. Like, they're moving this way. Zero is where you meet Christ. And this doesn't mean you're a zero. It means that your past is emptied out and your future is, uh, potential is unlimited. Um, so, but people start attending church around a negative five. A neg- like, they, they walk in with both feet on the brakes and they're not sure. Like, this was me when I first started going to church. I was the skeptic. I walked in. I was like, mm, I don't know. Music was, like, the music would be playing. I'd be like this. Preacher be preaching, everybody's like, amen. I'm like, well, I don't know what this is. After it was over, my friend was like, what'd you think? I was like, all right. Think you can come back next week? Yeah, can we? Can we come back next week? Yeah. Do you like it? I don't think so. But I want to come back. Next week, I'm like, like within six months, I'm like, amen. <laughs> and during worship, I'm like, Y'all heard me, but it's like I stole a TV. <laughs> Mufasa. Anyway, that's, that's how it works. It, this, is, this is what... Now, here, here's why it's important to understand. If somebody comes in, and this is where they are in their spiritual journey, we don't expect them to act like Christians. There are too many churches in the world today that when people walk in the doors, we expect non-Christians to hold to Christian values when we as Christians don't even hold to Christian values sometimes. If they're a non-Christian, that's what they're going to act like. And we're okay with it. I'm okay with it. And you know how I know these people are here? It's because I stand in the lobby after the services and I talk to people and it's some of the conversations I have. About once a month, this is the conversation I have. Somebody will walk up to me and go, hey, damn good sermon. Now, the first time that happened, I was like, okay. I don't know what to, I don't know what to do with my hands. And I'm like, no, no, no I'm, I'm not making that up. That really happens. Now, I know some of you are like, did you correct that person for profaning the name of the Lord in the house of God? No, I've just learned to say, damn straight. Give me them nuts. Right there, Bam. It's okay. Like, like one of the things that happens is we got to create an environment. Listen, I'm not trying to change people. I want Jesus to change people. And at the end of the day, over time, I believe if somebody comes in and this is where they are in their spiritual journey, if they experience the presence of Jesus on a weekly basis in this environment, I've seen people, many people go from here to here. They accept Christ. They change. They become new. Not because we forced our values on them, but because they experienced the presence of Jesus and he changed their life in his time. Now, here's a question. It's an easy yes or no. Does this change Bob and Linda's life? Yes or no? Yes. Okay, great. Hold that thought. We're going to go on and talk about Jennifer and George. If your name is Jennifer and George, once again, this is hypothetical. Jennifer and George are two. Now, they, they accepted Christ, and they were moving forward, but they, 
they stalled out. And all of us stall out. We know there are people in this room that have been stalled. Maybe you are stalled in your walk with Jesus for different reasons, just like we stall out in life. Like, how many people in this room have ever ran out of gas in your car? Ran out of gas. Ran out of gas. See, I don't get you people. I don't understand you. That's weird. You know why? Because your gas gauge tells you how much freaking gas you got in the car. And some of you are like, oh, no, I think I can make it a little bit further. And the light's coming on going, your car's going to explode. No, I got it. I got it. I got it. Me, I get below half a tank, and I start sweating. I'm like, oh, my gosh, i got to find me a QT because QT is the Apple store of convenience stores. Hello, and i got to find me a QT and fill up my tank. I mean, I get stressed out, and, but, but I ain't judging the people that, that run out of gas, and here's why. While I have never ran out of gas, I have ran off the road. <laughs> Texting and driving. Old Perry, not new. I don't do that now. I mean, God, I never do that. But, but we get stalled out. Jennifer and George got stalled out. And there's so many reasons in life we stall out in our walk with Jesus. Maybe, um, maybe we avoid him. You ever avoided anybody? Tell the truth, shame the devil. Yeah, yeah, you see somebody coming, you're like, hey. And they can see the screen. They know you're not talking to anybody. But, but, yeah, you, you can make your phone ring. There's an app to do that, by the way. I mean, I don't know that personally. Somebody told me in the service. Um, but, like, I, I, like, we get stalled out. If, like, you're, you were, remember, for those of you that are parents, remember what it was like? You were normal before you had children? You could be like, let's go on a date. Okay, you're out the door. Now it's like, let's go on a date. Seven months from now, when we get everything situated, and you used to be able to talk in complete sentences, but now if you're a parent, you, you walk around going, hey, just, how, if you don't, hey, stick, mm, ah, ah. <laughs> See, if you're not a parent, you didn't get that. <laughs> if you're a parent, you're like, that's what I said right before I came in here. <laughs> Having a kid, though, it, it really throws us out of our routine and our schedule, does it not? You get a new job, it could stall you out. COVID. Stalled a lot of people out. Sometimes we stall out because of decisions we make. Sometimes we stall out because of, um, of, of circumstances around us. But, but it, listen, it's okay to admit you're stalled out. By the way, one of the ways to actually fix the problem is admit the problem. So let's say that George and Jennifer come to Second Chance, and once again, I don't think you can experience the presence of Jesus and stay the same. And over time, over time, in his time, not our time, they, they move forward from a, from a two to like a five. Is this progress in their life, yes or no? Yes. Now, let me, let me point this out because I need to say this because um, this, this helps me. This helps me in, in relation to other people. Growth, growth, spiritual growth, when we first start growing as followers of Jesus Growth takes place underground. And the reason I want to say that is because there's too many people in the church today that'll look at somebody else's life and go, I don't know if they're really walking with Christ because I don't see any fruit. I don't see any fruit in their life. I don't see any fruit in their life. My question is this. Did God call you to be a fruit inspector? I've heard people say, well, I, I can't be a judge, but I can be a fruit inspector. That's why you have no friends. That's exactly why you have no friends. That's why nobody wants to hang out with you. Fruit inspector. <laughs> Let me tell you why this is important. Every spiritual growth reference in the Bible 
is agricultural. So when you plant a seed into the ground and you put dirt over that seed, does the seed begin to grow, yes or no? Yes. yes. Can you see the growth? No. It might be weeks. It might be months. And while you're standing there judging, going, I don't see any growth, I don't see any growth, I don't see any growth, there's all kinds of growth. In fact, you're the one that's not growing because you're so focused on the fact that you can't see their growth that you're not even focused on your own. Like, like growth, because don't, don't, don't miss this. When people judge other people and say there's no fruit in their life, we're judging their behavior. Jesus did not die on the cross so the church could establish a behavior modification program. Growth takes place inside, in our hearts, and in our minds. And people can't see that. Before we change externally, Jesus changes us internally. So be very careful when you start talking about fruit and other people's lives because this type of growth often it can't be seen externally but just because we can't i know in my own life jesus was changing me and convicting me of stuff way before i admitted to it so jennifer and george come here and they're stalled out in their walk with jesus but they go from a two to a five does this improve their life yes or no do they become better people yes or no yeah okay great let's talk about let's talk about tom and amy Love Tom and Amy. Man, they're good people. Sevens, th those are good people. I like those people. They're good people. Love Jesus. They're walking with Jesus. But did you know everybody in this room watching online, we're all capable of making a bad decision and then doubling down on that bad decision, even when we know we shouldn't? I was in Las Vegas with some friends one time. I love Las Vegas. I do. I do. And, uh, and one of my friends was rich. I mean, like multimillionaire rich, like, a, like American Express black card rich. Okay? So I was with him. <laughs> he paid for everything. And anyway, so, so he was talking with some friends, and I was not a participant in this conversation, but I was listening. And this was, this was their, <laughs> this is the conclusion they arrived at. Um, it's impossible to continue losing at blackjack. Eventually, you've got to win. So you bet on a hand, and if you lose that hand, you double down on the next hand, and you just keep doubling down until eventually you just break even and get your money back. And they thought, I'm not making this up. They thought, this is a great idea. Now, I want to pause because some of you are like, oh, you were gambling? Yeah, I was. I was. I was. I've never gambled. You got money in the stock market? You got money in the stock market? That's not gambling. Uh, anybody want to talk about 2008? Anybody want to talk about GameStop? Just, just hold on to that for a We'll come back to that another time. I, just, I went from preaching to meddling. Um, <laughs> so I watched my friend. I'm not making this up. I watched my friend. I watched my friend. In fact, I had a friend um, text me after the 830 service this morning who was there. He was like, I can't, like, I can't believe you used that illustration church. Um, he put $200 down on a hand of blackjack and lost. Then he put $400 down and lost. Then he put $800 down and lost. And he put 1600 down and lost. In less than two minutes, he lost $3,000. I wanted to go throw up. Yeah. I was like, I'm about 10,000 nuggets of Chick-fil-A for $3,000. <laughs> <laughs> I 
But he made a bad decision. He made a bad decision, and he kept doubling down on that bad decision. The reason I, I point that out is because there are those of us in this room that, that we've been at that place in our walk with Jesus, but then before we know it, we go backwards. Now, this is a very dangerous ground. The reason why is because this right here can get you kicked out of church. This right here can get you kicked out of church, going backwards. This is a very, this can be very shaming. And this can happen because of decisions we make or things that happen to us, usually a combination of both. And, and I just, I just, I hurt for these people because this happened to me very publicly. I know what this is like. But see, I think church is a place that should be safe for these people. I think church is a place where broken people can say, I'm broken, and fallen people can say, I need help. Because what happens is if these people get into the presence of Jesus on a consistent basis, we can actually see them turn around and wind up at a better place than they were before. It's happened to me. So I'm I'm just saying, if you if you're not as far along in your as your in your walk with Christ as you used to be, I'm glad you're here. I believe that if we continue to create a, a, an environment where people can experience the presence of Jesus, you can't keep going backwards. So we've all agreed that this changes individual lives. Now you're wondering, well, how does this change the community? I mean, I see it changes the individual, but how can it really change the community? I mean, after all, that's, that's, big. that's, that's big. Well, we're moving to a facility where we're going to be able to double our capacity here. So what happens to our community when we see 1,000 Bob and Lindas go from a negative four to a zero? And we see 1,000 George and Jennifers go from a two to a five. And we see over 1,000 Tom and Amy's go from a seven to a three back to a positive eight. That right there changes the entire community, maybe even eventually the state, the nation, and the world, because we created an environment where people can experience the presence of Jesus every single week. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, because if I were you, I'd be thinking it too. That is a great idea. Does it work? Yes. For 2,000 years, it's worked. There's a guy named Paul who, when we first meet him in the Bible, he's not a Christian. He eventually becomes a Christian and writes most of the New Testament. And the book of Acts, which is, by the way, my favorite book in the Bible, is a story of how the church really got started and how the Apostle Paul went around the Mediterranean Rim starting churches. One of the places he started a church was a place called Ephesus. He wrote a letter to Ephesus in the New Testament. It's six chapters long. It's a quick read. Um, but he wrote a letter to Ephesus. It's where he spent the most time ministering. He spent over two years in Ephesus. And when he gets to Ephesus, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, tells us in Acts 19 this about Paul. And this is how I want to show you this ties into our vision. 
Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. In other words, he went to the synagogue. This would be like where the church people are, and he starts talking to them and trying to talk to them about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. Can you believe that at one time in the history of this world, religious people were mean, angry, and hateful? Huh. We've came so far. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. Paul just said, okay, that's not going to work here. I'm going to go over here, and I'm just going to create an environment where people can experience the presence of God. And then we see this went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Don't, don't miss that. Two years, all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word. That's, that's a, no Facebook, no Instagram. Paul wasn't doing TikTok videos, which, by the way, I'm not against any of those things. I'm just saying without any technology, just creating an environment where people could experience the presence of God, in two years, everyone in that province had heard the word of the Lord. Here's the question, though. Did it make a difference? I'm glad you ask. Because in the same chapter, just a few verses later, we see this happen. About that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. And when I read that, I've always thought in Star Wars theme, there was a great disturbance in the force. I, I, like, I, I, I see that, and that's how I, I see the Bible weird. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, who was a goddess at that time, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. He called them together along with the workers in related trades and said, you know, my friends, that we, were, that we receive a good income from this business. Now, let me set up what was happening. In Ephesus, there was some major idolatry taking place. Idolatry is when you worshiped other gods rather than the one true God. But to be fair, they didn't know. They didn't know about the one true God because Paul hadn't came there yet. They just knew about all these other gods. And Demetrius was a silversmith. Basically, they sold a lot of idols in Ephesus because the more idols you had in your home, the more favorable the gods would look on you. And if you had like the more expensive your idols were, um, the more uh, people thought that you were favored by the gods. And so people were buying idols after idols. I mean, this was a boot. The, the idol business in Ephesus was booming. And then Paul showed up. And he created an environment where people could experience the presence of God, where people learned about Jesus. Demetrius has this meeting and he says, and you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and in practically the whole province of Asia. Here is a non-Christian going, this message has gotten everywhere because Paul just created an environment where people could experience the presence of Jesus. He says that gods made by human hands are no gods at all, so he's obviously worried about the message. Demetrius, the silversmith, the idol maker, 
There is a danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited and the goddess herself who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world will be robbed of her divine majesty. Don't miss this. The presence of God was so powerful in the province of Asia right here in Ephesus that the idol makers were going out of business. How incredible would it be in a couple years if drug dealers in our community just said, man, we don't move as much product. There's, we don't move as much product here. here. It's, Anderson's, like illegal drugs are just, like there's just not a market. Because we found our, our hope and our peace in something else. What if they were doing surveys in the state of South Carolina and, and when they got to surveying the county of Anderson, depression and anxiety were significantly lower than other places in the state. And by the way, if you've struggled with depression and anxiety, I have too, but you know what I know about anxiety? Anxiety eventually has to leave when we're continually in the presence of Jesus because worry can't hang out with Jesus. They've never been friends. They don't hold hands. And from somebody who's wrestled with it all my life, I'm telling you, in the presence of Jesus, worry and anxiety has to walk away from me. Amen. What if that happened on a consistent basis? What, this is how our schools improve. This is how life improves. This is how the community improves because people experience the presence of Jesus. At the end of the day, I can, I can sit and tell you really great, big, huge ideas for our church, but, the, but when you boil it down, what we're passionate about, our chicken, if you will, is we're going to do whatever we can each and every week so that people, all people, can experience the presence of Jesus. I love this book. I try to read from it every day. It doesn't make me a better person. It's just how I connect with the Lord. But my favorite parts are like the words in, the words in red. You know what I'm talking about? For those of you that don't know, the words in red in a lot of the Bibles are the words that Jesus said. And as I read this, I just happened to turn to John chapter 4 where he um, met the Samaritan woman who was about as far from Jesus as you could get. And by the end of the chapter, she's an evangelist. I mean, it's crazy. But it reminds me that in this book, when people met Jesus, they didn't stay the same. They, they, didn't, say, they didn't stay the same. Oh, and by the way, sometimes they did go backwards. Because that whole seven to three, I know that's bothering somebody. I just don't think you could know Jesus and go backwards. What do you do with Peter? Who told Jesus at the Last Supper, I'll never deny you. And 24 hours later, he's cussing up a storm saying he didn't know the man. But 50 days later, he's preaching on the day of Pentecost. Yeah. See, and I see in this book, I see in this book where people experience the presence of Jesus on a consistent basis and they can't stay the same. So my question, not just for me, but for all of us is this. What if what happened in here 
happened in here? And what if happened in here happened in here? That changes this place, this city, this state, this nation, and eventually, maybe, changes the world. Stand with me for prayer. Jesus, God, I thank you that there has never, ever been a Sunday that your presence wasn't with us. God, may we be a place marked by your presence. And God, may each one of us right now, God, no matter where we are in our walk with you, God, may we just pause and say, Jesus, in this moment, right now, what would you want to say to me? What would you want to do in me? Because we know, Jesus, that in your presence, there is mercy, there is grace. We can let go and surrender, knowing, Jesus, that you have great plans for our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, I want to thank you so much that you said in your word where two or three are gathered together in your name that you are among them. And Jesus, we know that you are with us today. May it be your presence, Jesus, that sets us apart. With heads bowed and eyes closed right now, maybe you're here today and you're gonna, you need to ask a question. Jesus, what do you want to do in me? What change do you want to do in me? What do you want to, what, what do you want to do in me, Jesus? What do you want for me? What do you want from me? You just have the courage to pray that to him right now. And maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ. You've never became a follower of Jesus. You were in that first category that we talked about. And you know today that you need to pray and accept Christ. I want to invite you right where you stand to pray this in your heart. Just say, Jesus Christ. I know that I'm a sinner, and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sin. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Come in and take over. In Jesus' name. With heads still bowed and eyes still closed, if you just prayed to receive Christ, if you just prayed that prayer, would you do me a favor and hold your hand up just real quick? Just hold it up and you can put it right back down. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. Other hands, if you're online, you just use a hand raise emoji. Thank you. Father, I pray for every single hand that I just saw. I want to thank you, Jesus, that you just changed somebody's life. They just literally went from death to life, from old to new. Thank you, Jesus, that every single week in this place, you have saved people. God, thank you so much, Jesus, that you are speaking to people. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus today that people would walk out of this place knowing we're changed because of your presence. In your presence, there is hope. In your presence, there is peace. In your presence, there is joy. In your presence, there is the knowledge that you are for us and not against us. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody that agreed said amen. Are you glad you came to church today? 
I'm so glad you came to church today. Even all the Jack in the Box people, we're so glad you were here. We'll see you all again next Sunday. God bless.